This is the Roots to Risk podcast, hosted by Eric Schneider alongside Isaac Bach. Roots to Risk brings you insights, the latest stories, and long-form discussions about the cannabis industry. You'll hear interviews with industry leaders and their perspective on current and future trends, how they've built success, and what challenges they have faced. Our goal is to facilitate candid conversations and provide informative content for the cannabis community at large. Let's go. What's going on, everybody? How we doing? This is uh, episode four of the Roots to Risk podcast. Super excited to uh, to have our next guest on deck, Matt Hawkins from Entourage Effect Capital, um, industry veteran, uh, been around since you know 2012 when when Colorado went wreck. Uh, super excited to get his point of view on on where the market is and trends that he's seeing. Um, you know, Isaac, I, I know we've met Matt at a a few trailblazers events. Awesome guy. Really uh, direct to the point, kind of no BS, which which I love. I, I love it. It's uh, kind of similar to how I am, so I can definitely appreciate it. But um, no, I think he's going to give some very you know good insight, especially just given you know Angaraj effects, you know history and you know what they've done in the industry already. I think he'll give a great insight on how investors think about things right now and you know what they're doing on their end. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and just a little bit more about Matt before we bring him on. Uh, you know, he's the founder and managing principal of Entourage Effect Capital, formerly known as Cresco Capital Partners, a venture capital firm focused specifically on investing in the legalized cannabis industry. Since 2014, the firm has made close to 70 investments out of three funds, co-investment vehicles, and special purpose entities. Matt is known and respected in the cannabis industry as having the vision to become one of the first investors in the industry. He brings longstanding relationships in the industry that compare to very few others in the cannabis space. He's the chairman of the board of directors of Statehouse Holdings and a board member of Sunderstorm. He has helped orchestrate numerous exits for firms' investments. He has spoken on countless industry panels and has appeared on CNBC, Fox News, Cheddar, Yahoo Finance, Bloomberg, among others, discussing the industry. And next on deck, the Roots to Risk podcast. To add to that, I, I think I think the others were a little above our audience, but I, I, nonetheless, I'm excited to have them on. We'll see. We're four episodes in. Who knows? We might jump to the top of that list long term. You, you never know. Never know. Let's bring them in, IB. Awesome. Well, appreciate you uh, you joining us here today, Matt. This is uh, the Roots to Risk podcast, episode four, featuring Entourage Effect Capital and the founder and managing principal, Matt Hawkins. Super excited to have you on here today, Matt, and I appreciate you taking the time. You bet. I appreciate y'all having me. Of course. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, just to kick things off, could you just provide, you know, viewers just a, a quick overview of, you know, your background, what you're working on today, and um, we'll, we'll dive into the specifics in a little bit more detail. Sure. Um, so Entourage Effect Capital has been investing in the cannabis industry since 2014 uh, out of three funds and probably close to 20 different special purpose entities for uh, one-off investments. Um, overall, we've made close to 65, 70 investments in that period of time. Uh, we just closed our third fund. Now we're just busy deploying that capital. Um, you know, it's a it's a tricky time in the industry. I mean, it's good for 
investors that have money and that valuations are low, but it's also, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty on where, where the industry is going. Um, there's a huge disconnect with um, the lack of capital and the, um, uh, the regulatory uncertainty uh, that's both present now and going forward. And it's, uh, so it, it complicates things, but that also presents a lot of opportunity. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's interesting because when we always talk about capital raise, it's focused on, you know, operators raising capital, but obviously you as the fund to deploy capital, you also yourself have to, to raise capital, right? So, you know, how, how has that been? Congratulations on closing the third fund. That's awesome to hear and, and super exciting. Um, you know, what's that process like for you as a, an investor trying to yeah, get capital I mean, from other investors? Well, before you thank me too much, you know, we didn't hit our target and it's, yeah. you know, we're, we're, we're affected by this just like everybody else is in cannabis. I mean, we're, you know, we're not immune to it, even with the track record that we have, which is a good one. Um, people have left the industry, both from an investor standpoint and from, you know, for operators. And we just, as we were getting really good talent coming in to operate companies, you've got quite a few, you know, senior executives that are just saying to hell with this, I'm going to go back to traditional bricks and mortar or whatever else. Um, so that's been challenging and it's, uh, and, and, you know, and, and the fact that, and, and I take pride in the fact that, um, and I feel responsible, the fact that, you know, that if we're not able to raise the amount of money we need to raise, then we're not supporting the industry the way we need to support them. So it's a, it's a tough one and it's, uh, but we got to just keep after it and be smart when we put our capital and, um, but unfortunately, the way, you know, some of these states have set up their programs, it's, you know, it's going to be the haves and have nots, just what they were trying to avoid. But guess what? They brought it upon themselves. Yeah. With, with that in mind, have you, uh, have you changed your investment thesis at all over the last few years to kind of, you know, combat some of the issues we're running into or the story you're telling the, Absolutely. Yeah, the LPs you've been? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. We, we fund two was very California centric. I mean, California is the largest cannabis market in the world, but we're not going to put another dime of new investment capital. We're going to continue to support our investments that are in California, but we won't make another new investment in California until they clean up their mess there. And, um, you know, unfortunately they think that, um, having some type of, you know, false hope that they can, um, you know, cross state lines, uh, with their product, you know, that that's just, the federal government's not going to allow that. So once again, it's California just making a mess of their own state and the fact that it's too hard to do business there. And until they change their ways, it's going to be difficult. And unfortunately, New York's following a similar pattern right now. There's, uh, there's no doubt. Isaac and I are, you know, we're, we're in New York city right now on, on 25th and park. And, What's really interesting is a lot, like in New York, just seeing it, a lot of it has been like the bodegas that have, you know, you could buy a Gatorade, a bag of chips and a little cannabis. Now there's stores branded, like popping up, you know, um, and- Yeah, and uh, for $250 fine, they'll get a slap on their wrist. There's there's a lot around us. We both live in Chelsea and- it just, it just like, like on the news, it says, you know, we're going to start cracking down and we're going to do this and provide, I just haven't seen like actually tangible, haven't seen any really. Well, they can't do it legislatively. It's a, I mean, they, they, there's yeah. only so much they can do. And, and now they're 
trying to penalize the landlords who really have no idea what they're these operators are getting into, why is it the landlord's fault, not the ones that are actually doing it themselves? I mean, they're talking, the, the reason is, is that because they can go after the landlord for $50,000 penalties, but the, they're yeah. legally a, a, unable to do what they're supposed to do. It's just shut people down and, and fine the hell out of them for, for breaking the law. It's just, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And so you've got law abiding citizens that have, that have invested hundreds of thousands of dollars to get a legal license in the state of New York that, before they're even open, they have to compete against the thousands of dispensaries that are opened up illegally in the streets of Manhattan. I mean, it's completely, it, I mean, it's bullshit. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, in, in the black mark, I mean, the legacy market has been in New York for, for decades, right? So it's not something that's new. It's just now it has a retail front to it and accessibility has just increased. Yeah. It's, it, look, I mean, for all the reasons that, that, we need to be mindful of the legacy market. It, th- there's situations like this that makes it hard for me to do that because they they're just breaking the law at this point, and it's and it's not fair to the ones that are doing it the right way. And until legislators in the states that are enabling this get it right, it's gonna. It's, I mean, no one's going to invest any money in these states. We're not going to yeah. invest in New York. We're going to go to Missouri. We're going to go to Maryland. We're going to go to you know some of the other states where where there's limited licenses and there's partner true partnerships with the uh, in, the uh, uh, enforcement and the um, regulatory agencies that are set up to work with you, not not to fight you. Yeah. All right, enough, <laughs> maybe we should talk about some fun stuff now. Let's go fun <laughs> stuff. All right. All right. No, no, but it's important, right? I think it's I, I think it's important for you know like Isaac and I on the, on the ground, seeing it on a daily basis. And, you know, these are just unfortunately, you know, circumstances that we're dealing with in the industry. Speaking of that, like, how did you get into the the cannabis space? And, you know, when did you start, you know, sure. investing through Entourage Effect? Um, you know, I feel like everybody has a pretty unique story because of how nascent yeah, my, the industry mine's, is. Yeah, mine's as unique as anybody's. I mean, I, I've been, you know, in private equity my whole career. Um, I had an exit of a uh, multifamily acquisition platform in 2013, 14. And one of the things I had done in the downturn of the Great Recession was uh, uh, private lending on real estate deals. And so typically there were broken real estate deals, but these were, you know, in some cases hard money loans. But I had partnered with a guy back then to kind of turn that deal spigot back on when I had this exit just to kind of try to deploy some capital. And, uh, he and I started seeing some deals in Denver with warehouse owners that were looking to refinance their mortgages out of commercial debt to get into private debt, which would then give them the ability to lease their facilities to marijuana growers. Cause obviously in 2012 is when Colorado legalized. And so yeah. I didn't, I didn't know much about the space other than using it from time to time. And, um, but I realized that after making a couple of loans, that the the yields would likely dry up on real estate. Now they've kind of come up and down over the years since then. But I knew one thing that would not be in existence, and I'd have a first mover advantage is is in the actual investing in the operating companies themselves and the legalized industry. And so that's what I decided to do. And I just raised a little bit of money, and we closed Fund One back in two thousand. 
16, 17. Um, and that's been a tremendous success because we were at the right place at the right time. And, um, you know, fund two still too early to really put a, because that, that we closed that fund and, you know, late 2019. Um, but that was also a, a pretty high point of the market. So we've, you know, we've had to work hard to keep our positions and reduce our cost basis. And we've done a pretty good job with that. But, and then we raised fund three in a, in a market where, you know, everything was in the shitter. And so the, yeah. the, the pricing is way down and it's been, you know, it's been good for us so far. No, that's, that's super exciting. And um, I, guess, I guess out of like fund three, how much, you know, for you, is it focused on existing portfolio versus new, new yeah, market? Good, good new question. We, we don't, yeah. we don't cross pollinate our funds. So everything we do in fund three is completely different than fund two and fund one. Um, if there's ever any, crossovers because there was an acquisition or, you know, something like that. But, but these are all new investments. And so it's a very healthy mix of a couple of uh, uh, single state operators that have grown to be, you know, smaller multi-state operators. Uh, a lot of ancillary plays. Uh, yeah. Dama Financial, Hound Labs. I mean, two, Hound Labs is the preeminent uh, uh, breathalyzer. Uh, on the market. It's actually, they're just now starting to become on the market, but they can test what your THC content is at that particular moment in time. You know, Dama Financial is the number one payment processor and point of sale uh, company in the cannabis industry. Um, and then, you know, we're also in uh, in Philo. And, and so it's, a you know, the, the compliance software. So we're, you know, like I said, a healthy mix of plant touching and non-plant touching. Yeah, we actually, no, I mean, we actually just built a partnership with Dama because I think what they're doing in the space is, is tremendous and, and being a, an ancillary provider to the cannabis space. Um, no, and, and I guess like in fund three, is it, what are, what are things like that you're looking at right now as in terms of like attractive investments? What are you most excited about, you know, moving forward for, for 2023 and, and into 2024? Um, yeah, probably what I've already touched upon is the, uh, you know, focusing on, uh, limited license states. Um, we, we, you know, we were in Curio Wellness and also in Organic Remedies, which was in Missouri. Uh, so both have had, and, and, uh, uh, Curio's in Maryland. So both those states have gone wreck since we've yep. been involved, which were great, great, uh, boosts for us. Um, so continue to focus on states where it's, where it's, you know, burgeoning like that uh but then also some ancillary plays that are that are that are that are not startups but are at the point where they need that rocket fuel to take the next step because we really want to help build scale with these companies in advance of what we think will be at least something legislatively that could happen like during our whole period of fund three which is a you know fund private equity funds are typically five to seven year holds and so if you think about it our final closing was in january so I feel pretty certain that in five years, you know, something's going to be different than what it is now. Uh, I just, I don't know what it is, but I feel like it'll be something. <laughs> Notwithstanding the, the bullshit we went through at the end of last year with uh, getting teased like we were. Yeah. Is there anything on the ancillary oh, yeah. side that's, you know, more attractive to you than anything else? Or are you guys pretty agnostic on that side of things right now? Pretty agnostic. I mean, if you look at the ones we've done, I mean, compliance software. 
you know, payment solutions uh, providers, uh, uh, then the, you know, breathalyzer. I mean, those are pretty cross the board investments. So I think we'll show you how agnostic we are. But again, they need to be either, if they're, if they're not market leaders already, they need to have something that would give them that edge, like Hound Labs, for example. There's just nobody else anywhere close to the technology they had and have got, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in, in, uh, in orders that they're looking to, to fulfill as they start uh, generating revenue. And, and Matt, who, who are some of your, your peers? And uh, maybe it's an operator, maybe it's another investor that, you know, you see is, is doing some great things in the space and uh, maybe bounce ideas off of like, you know, your, your kind of immediate circle of, you know, trusted individuals. There's a lot. I mean, we, you know, we're, we're friendly with a whole host of, you know, smart folks in the industry when there's a lot of them, um, you know, we're, we, we work closely with Viridian on a lot of the stuff that they uh, put out and are doing. Um, we're very close with the guys at, at Good Day Farms. Uh, we look to co-invest a lot with them and, we, um, and, and do and get more strategic with them as we go forward. Um, you know, but there's also all the old line, uh, funds that have been around and we always, you know, we're, 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 whether we, whether we all like it or not, it's a small group of, of, yeah. of uh, funds that have been supporting this industry. And we typically cross pollinate each other on cap tables. So um, a lot of work there with one another, but it's, uh, you know, we don't really, you know, we don't exclude anybody, but we're also very, um, you know, internalized with how we go about our business. Are there any um, operators who, when you guys, you know, invest in a company, you kind of point to and say, you know, we want to build this company in this way or advise them, you know, to kind of follow the same growth path that a certain operator has done in the past? Or um, you guys just kind of rely on your experience working with these companies? It's probably a healthy mix of both. I mean, we, I mean, our job is to find the best operators we can to partner with. Um, and then, you know, a lot of cases we've been successful with that. And a lot of cases we've, you know, been on the wrong horses. Um, uh, Michael Bronfein with, with Curio is one of the best. And we, you know, point to him a lot to just the way uh, he does things. We, we, we love the management team at Hound Labs. We, we love the management team at Dama. Um, so it's just, a, you know, we really try to, if we do anything other than just partner with the best, we'll say, you know, here's an example of who those are. And you can just look at our portfolio to see that it's, especially in Fund 3, where there's some really, really attractive operators. How much How much of uh, Fund 3 have you already deployed, like percentage-wise versus uh, still, still ready? A fair amount. Go? I mean, we've, you know, we've made uh, 10 investments already out of Fund 3. So, wow. um, yeah, I suspect we'll have room for another two to three more uh, uh, new investments and then, you know, we reserve a lot of capital for follow-ons with existing investors. So we're, especially having gone, we've gone through in the past in this industry, there's, you never have, you, the money you think you need is, is I've been saying recently that it's almost like five X, what you think you need. So you better have a lot of money set aside, or you better hope your investors have that money set aside. No, that makes, makes complete sense. Um, 
Isaac, do you want to uh, to kick it off and, yeah. and uh, go through the next? Yeah, hundred? I actually think Matt, that kind of led into a, a great kind of next question, which we we've asked everyone is, um, you know, not necessarily a screw up or anything, but has there been one situation that has been the greatest learning experience for you, and you know, kind of helped prepare propelled you and um, EEC forward? Um, it sounds like you know, keeping cash on hand is definitely one of them. But is there anything you know else that yeah, sticks that's, out? That's a big one. Um, you know, look, we, I, I mean, I'm, it's no secret. We've, you know, we were instrumental in the, uh, merger of Harborside, Loudpack, Sublime and Urban Leaf. And while we, we, we absolutely know that it was the right thing to do because there's a chance that none of those companies survive on their own, but now that they're together, uh, they have a hell of a lot better chance of not only succeeding, but also really succeeding. But there's a lot of bumps across, you know, along the way, and not to mention the fact that the public markets are just in shambles. And so, what we didn't anticipate was having a lower stock price after we made the company almost, you know, three x in size, because it doesn't make any sense. Uh, but you know, what's one of the things? It's another thing. You know, lesson learned. You can't can't ever explain the public markets. You can't control it. Um, especially on, you know, thinly traded, you know, low volume type situations. And until we get the chance to uplist um, and until we deal with Section 280E, it's going to be hard. Um, but luckily, uh, Statehouse has scale. It has the ability to weather storms, unlike some of the other companies in California that just don't and can't. Yeah. And so it's, uh, and we'll be the beneficiaries of that, but we got to, you know, scratch and claw until then. No, for sure. And I've, I've always found it very interesting that you, you look at companies, uh, stock prices and their market caps versus what they have in revenues and cash on hand. And they, it doesn't exactly make sense in traditional finance, but. No, I mean, there's, I mean, companies that have some, some cases their stock, their market cap is less than the amount of cash they have in their balance right. sheet. Doesn't make any sense. No. Yeah, we were talking to Troy from uh, you know the parent company the other day, and it, their market cap was twenty five million. I think he said they have close to a hundred million on their balance sheet in cash. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, but cool. Well, a, a couple quick quick hitters, just uh, you know, more kind of personal questions. So, what's uh, what's on the Spotify or Apple Music playlist these days? What's uh, what's trending in Matt Hawkins' playlist? <laughs> uh, a lot of. Uh, a lot of 70s and 80s. I've listened to some 90s lately. Like I've been working out to uh, on Pandora, Gin Blossoms Radio. <laughs> I love it. Gin Blossoms. <laughs> uh, it's got a lot of good good uh, late 90s stuff on there. Um, a lot of vintage Counting Crows. But I'm a big classic country guy too. I mean, I live in Dallas. So, you know, Willie Nelson, George Jones, uh, Steve Warner, Earl Thomas Conley, a lot of, you know, old school country people like that Not but uh seems like they're lit listening to music a lot and uh so that's that's kind of the that's the that's a peek inside there <laughs> were you uh were you born and raised in texas yep yep spend a lot of time in fort lauderdale now because our office is here and uh the woman i date lives in fort lauderdale so even though i've got a lot of family in dallas my, my daughter's a senior in college so i'm you know free to roam and uh it's great that my you know my whole team is in fort lauderdale and the woman that i 
spend time with too. So it's awesome. Amazing. Worst places to spend time than Fort Lauderdale too. Especially this time <laughs> yeah. of year. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, last one is, uh, you know, do you have a, a book you always kind of turn back to or an all time recommendation from a book perspective that you would give to listeners? Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I, I'm in a rut now where I haven't been reading as much as I'd like to because my mind wanders so much with just everything that's going on. I'm, I'm a very, I mean, I'm ADD a bit that way, but um, <laughs> some of the things that I have read in the past that have, that have stayed with me are um, a couple of Harvey McKay's books, um, the big envelope guy. <laughs> but then there's also one that's uh, a book called Uncommon Friends, which I read a long time ago. But it's, see if I can get this right. It was Henry Ford, Harvey Firestone, Thomas Edison, and then this no-name. And this no-name guy wrote the book. And he was good friends with these other three legends. And he just tells the story of kind of just how, you know, look, even though I was just this normal guy, he was just friends with these three pioneers and so it's uh you know it kind of life lesson type thing from something that's really cool love that yeah that's, that's a that's a cool book i'll add that to the list i think uh you know the guests we've had on have provided a pretty solid reading list which should probably start reading myself yeah. a bit a little bit <laughs> um but awesome though yeah. appreciate that matt you have anything i have been but, but i'm also but one thing i have been doing a lot of is um you know, a lot of TED talks, a lot of uh, stuff that, you know, through, you know, short 20 minute podcasts that are, you know, from, you know, high level, high thinkers that are, you know, that, that are dealing with either dealt with or dealing with, you know, industries in tumult or just, have, you know, things they've, they've learned in the past. And then, um, try to steer away from a lot of political stuff every now and then I'll listen to a Joe Rogan, but, uh, <laughs> depends on who he's, who he's got on. Uh, well, he'll, he'll interview yeah, anyone. That's kind of where I, that's, he'll, he'll, he'll interview anyone. It's crazy. The spread of guests he has on his podcast. It's amazing. Yeah. And it's, it really is. I mean, it's, it's the, the breadth of how deep he, and how far and wide he goes. I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing. Awesome. Well, Matt, really, really appreciate you taking the time here. And this has been, you know, super insightful. Um, excited to see what's on the horizon for Entourage Effect, especially with Fun Three coming online and, and additional uh additional powder to deploy into the market. Awesome, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. Excited to see it uh next Trailblazers, or I'm sure I'll, we'll see you in person on the circuit. Trailblazers, uh Benzinga and uh MJ Unpacked are my upcomings. Love it. All right. See y'all. Thanks, Matt. We'll see you. Awesome conversation, Isaac. I think, you know, as we mentioned on the onset, you know, very direct to the point um, and and really providing a lot of great insight into what's kind of going on in the industry. And it's funny, at one point, you know, during when we were talking, he's like, let's try to get away from, you know, the negativity, right? And let's look forward to... um you know, what's exciting on the horizon for them, obviously, you know, raising fund three, that's, that's awesome. You know, you and I have seen, it's been really, really challenging to raise any sort of capital in the space right now. Um, and, uh, just really, really appreciated his point of view. 
No, for sure. And I think what's cool is getting the insight on how um, nimble cannabis investors kind of have to be. You know, they've uh, changed their investment thesis kind of not on the fly, but they've changed it, you know, quite a bit, which I would say isn't, you know, always the case. And um, the fact that they're kind of taking a a widespread approach to a lot of the ancillary businesses, as long as they're an industry leader um, or disruptor, I think is a good for the long term for the industry find the people who are going to be doing the most for it long term will be great couldn't agree more and and it's interesting too just how do you balance investing versus like you mentioned you know saving capital for follow-on and um no i mean obviously entourage effect is a mainstay in the industry and excited to see where where they deploy capital in the the 2023 2024 year Absolutely, yeah. Lo- loved his uh his music and book recommendations. Oh, that was uh that was great to see see a little bit inside the uh you know the normal interaction, which is great. Yeah, I think it's great. I think it's you know a way to see you know we're we're all human beings. We all listen to music. We all read books, right? I think it's I think it's cool to get the lens of you know people's personal behaviors as well. You know, we we see them a lot of times just on the professional side. So love that. Thank you.